Welcome, everyone, to this week's podcast. Uh, I am your host, Mike Robles, uh, and with me once again is Mike and Jeremy. This podcast will be going live the same day that the playtest is out. It'll be out in the world, and the, of course, the playtest we're referring to is the D and D Next playtest. Uh, how excited are you guys for for this to be out? Because this is uh, we were just talking about. This is probably the biggest playtest we've ever done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, actually, the most exciting part. I'm a little conflicted. Because once we're done, <laughs> I can then start playing Diablo 3 full-time. <laughs> so, full-time. Like, That's right. You, you, you are going to be leaving work. <laughs> and, and Mike went on leave. I think I've heard that. <laughs> no, it's su- it is super exciting because we've been, we've been working on this game for about a year now. And in various forms. Yeah. Um, and... Our, our affection for what we're working on, I think, just increases day by day. Uh, you know, we, we are playing this game constantly. We are loving it. Uh, there's still a ton of work to do, but we're very excited by even just sort of the little kernel of the game that we'll be revealing uh, in this playtest. Um, and I'm just also excited once this groundwork is laid to then show people what we have coming up next. Yeah. I, I kind of love it the way a very overly demanding parent loves it. Like, <laughs> right. I love it because I know it can be so much more. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and as I talk about how excited I am about it, I also probably more than anybody else am mindful of, well, other than you, Mike, are, are mindful <laughs> of all of the ways in which this child um, needs to learn how to walk better, speak better. <laughs> <laughs> needs to do its homework more. It's a little Eliza Doolittle. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. A little, little musical reference yeah. for the theater goers out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, do, do, do you think of D&D Next as My Fair Lady? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But d- despite all the ways in which our child needs to grow, it is so promising. It's so exciting. Um, again, we, we were just playing yesterday. We have, we have a play test this afternoon. Um, I think it's a sign of how, how excited we are and how committed we are to this, that despite all of the work that we still even have to do today on the material before we send it out next week, uh, we're making time to play it. Um, and so not only is play testing a big part of our external project for D&D Next, it's a big, it's a, it is a vital part of what we're doing internally. Yeah, exactly. We just play it and play it and play it and play it. Which I'm sure excites the community. I mean, they are, are already so excited about this and the fact, I mean, you guys earlier just this week had done a live chat, and so you guys are super slammed, but are still taking the time out to address any community concerns that are going out there and saying, this is how proud we are that we will go ahead and take time out of our busy schedule to let you guys know this is what you can expect. You guys are doing Q&As frequently. Uh, we did the podcast last month. We're doing another one. It's so, I mean, thank you, first of all, for taking the time out of your busy schedules to do it. Oh, that's no problem. Yeah. I um, mean, it's, it, it, every, everyone who's listening to this podcast, everyone who is at the live chat, anyone who will come see us at PAX Prime or at Gen Con or any other convention, I mean, it... It is as much their game as it is ours. Yeah. So in my mind, it's it's the very least we can do to <laughs> to be transparent, to to interface with our fellow D and D players as much as we can. 
Um, yeah, it's going to be nice once we actually have the test out there because then we could have a more meaningful conversation with everyone. Right. Who's out there playing D&D. Right. Just yeah, like, absolutely. Just see what we you know, what's, they'll see what the people at PAX and the people at DDXP saw and then there's a little bit more of a concrete thing to address and talk about. So yeah. that'll actually, that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. So. And, and again, this is something we've talked about before. What people are going to be seeing, and I guess I can say today, yeah. not not our today, but the, the today in the future <laughs> when people will be listening to this podcast. When this goes live, it yes. will be today. It will be today. Um, it's exciting because what people are, are going to see in this playtest is truly just a starting point, not only for the game as a whole, but for the playtest process. Yeah. Because... You know, in in a, in about a month after receiving this material, there's going to be another another update. There are also going to be some smaller updates in between. People are going to see some additional characters. They're going to see some new rules options. Uh, we're going to um, over the course of the summer leading up to Gen Con. Um, present some alternatives for some of the mechanics so people are going to see what we've been talking about that this is not a final game that we're yeah. putting out there and basically asking for a rubber stamp it's like no we, we we're we're not only asking for pe- feedback but uh, throughout the rest of this year people are going to see that feedback in action yeah because like we already know that the first playtest round the hit points are a bit inflated for characters mm-hmm. for monsters especially the more uh, powerful monsters they're a bit inflated so, and that's just kind of because our entire grasp of the math, we can't really solidify the math until people have been playing it and giving us feedback. So we're just kind of a starting point. We've erred on the side of giving you a few more hit points, and then we'll start working on that based on how people are enjoying the game and how that's all working together. Yeah. You guys answered like four questions I had from Twitter already in that little like two minutes that we just talked. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome questions. That was in the lineup and you just and, like, blew it's, through them. We, we each have cybernetic implants <laughs> and like, we're, we're, we're receiving the Twitter feeds. Uh, starting, let's go ahead and actually get one of the big questions was about the materials. What can people expect to see day one? Uh, so they're going to see uh, the Caves guess, of Chaos. today. Yes, <laughs> today. Again, <laughs> since we're talking, we, we're in the future. We're in the future. Um, <laughs> people are going to see today the Caves of Chaos uh, adventure. Uh, they're going to see uh, five pre-generated characters, uh, and those characters are a wizard, a fighter, a rogue, uh, and two clerics. Uh, one of the clerics uh, is decked out in armor, yeah, and is cleric of Moradin. Mor- cleric of Moradin will be bashing people with his hammer. Yep. Uh, and then we have a, a cleric of Paylor, a cleric of Paylor uh, who is more of a spellcaster. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, the basic rules of play, as well as some guidance for the DM on setting DCs and just running the game in general. Excellent. All right. Uh, and then you, uh, another question was, how frequently will more materials be? You said like a month, right? Is it- yeah. 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 It will be, be about a month um, until people get uh, their next big chunk of material. Uh, but... People should stay tuned for possible smaller updates in between. Yeah, it's going to be based on what we see for feedback and what we're working on at the office. And right, and that's, and that's what I was going to ask, is what made you guys decide on a month? Because, I mean, I was like, a month? Well, that's really fast. All of a sudden, get more material. Well, and, and I say about a month. I think, I think right. it, it's early July that we're targeting, so it will probably work out to be about five weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and really, we, we want to keep people engaged with the game, and so if you're playing every week with a playtest... At the end of the month, maybe you're nearing the end of the stuff we've given to you, and so then it kind of nicely segues into the next phase, you know, the next 
chunk of material that we're yeah. sending out there. And and as we mentioned uh, in in the live chat earlier this week, it's very important to us to test different parts of the system um, methodically. And that's why we're not unleashing the entire game yeah. on everybody all at once. Because it, it would just simply be too much for people to right. process. And this is also why we're starting with pre-generated characters. Because right now we want to see... Just what do people think of the play experience in general? Um, what do they think of these pretty basic versions of the classic D&D classes? Over time, they'll get to see other classes, you know, ranger, paladin, and whatnot. Over time, they'll, they'll get the rules for making their own characters. Um, but even in these pre-generated characters, we're giving them all the information they need to level up through level three. So these aren't just level one characters. They're yeah. getting levels one, two, and three um, for each of those pre-gens. Um, and eventually, uh, we expect in this playtest process to also provide the DM with guidance on creating his or her own adventures. Uh, but to start with, we'll provide the adventures. But we know our DMs are very creative people, and many of them are probably going to start making their own adventures just using the material we provide in the Caves of Chaos because in addition to the adventure we provide the stats for all of the monsters that appear in that adventure. There are quite a few monsters so that's already a nice baseline for the DM who wants to take that and start mm -hmm. making adventures right away. Wow, uh, and, and again you answered some of the questions people were, are, I said, ask and are very excited about character creation. It's good to know that they'll soon or shortly thereafter would get rules to create characters. It's something I know the community is very excited about, uh, which is which is excellent. Um, somebody asked on Twitter, uh, what part of the playtest are you most looking forward to? Oh man, I, I'm really curious to see how people react to just the the way we've approached DMing. The, um, because we've really kind of try to take a different tack on things. Um, one of my personal things with D&D is I think that the rules are there as a tool for the DM to use as the DM wants. Mm -hmm. That the rules aren't just this canonical thing that the DM must obey. The DM obeys the rules when the DM feels like, yes, this, these rules make sense for my campaign. And so we're really kind of emphasizing this idea of instead of saying, hey, here's a hard and fast rule, it's like, well, here's a rule you can use, but really we're going to rely more on the DM to make rulings based on the situation. That you know, one of the things that we focused on was in the DMing packet was giving the DM a really clear sense of here's how like checks work and, you know, different die rolling conventions, whatever. Um, but here's how you use these things. And what I imagine is in a lot of adventures we write, I want to be able to not, I want to be able to just describe a room and not give any DCs. And the DM just judges like, hey, the character wants to try doing this. What's what I think the DC should be? Or here's the kind of tweak I want to make to this check. Like, okay, you can try that, but if he fails by more than five or whatever, something bad's going to happen to you, things right. like that. So instead of giving out like this canonical like full page of rules on climbing that cover all, covers all these different cases, we can just say, hey, if a character wants to climb, well, here's how fast you can climb. And usually it's a strength check, and here are some sample DCs, but um, and here are some other tweaks you might want to make to the check, but it's really up to the DM. Mm -hmm. the, um, and the uh, goal is to make those guidelines and rules simple enough that the DMs using them on the fly, like you, you take, you know, it's the kind of thing where it takes five minutes to learn how to do it, and then a lifetime to master. Yeah, and and because because every D and D group essentially has an unspoken social con contract, we expect that the degree to which a DM is reshaping the rules will change group by group. Because yeah. we know there are going to be groups where 
some of them are going to fully embrace this. They're going to house rule the heck out of the game. And it's, it's going to be truly their Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I mean, not only in the story, but even in the system. We know there are other groups where, you know, what, what Mike just described, they're thinking, oh my God, this is chaos. And yeah. those groups will be able to play the game as written and essentially have sort of the official rules of the game. And they will have enough there that they can run with it. Exactly. Uh, I think there was a sense, like when 3rd edition came out, that um, before the internet really became such a social venue, that you wanted groups to have a very consistent application of the rules from group to group so people could move around. But I think now that since everyone's online these days, the um, or it's easy just to get online and just talk to other people about things, that we have a much more connected community. And when you have a much more connected community, it actually makes it easier for us to be much more open with letting people tinker with the rules or just say, yeah, we should assume you're going to do that. Because there is, it's now much easier to see what the community as a whole is doing, or what what DMs are doing, or you know, different blogs about DMing or how to put together adventures and stuff. There's right. a lot more communication. People aren't as isolated as they used to be, so it's much easier now if you're really into D and D to just go online and just read up on how different people are approaching the game and different techniques. The um, so you don't have to say this is canonically what you must do. Now, for something like organized play, like Living Forgotten Realms, what I imagine we'll do is something similar to what a lot of games do, like, say, uh, Magic or Warhammer, and just say, okay, for, for our organized play program, here are the ground rules. Like, for that, we'd probably just say, here's, here's what we expect the rules to be. But those don't have to be, we don't have to design the game for that. We just have to design a good game and then create the subset of rules or the, or the rules you add on that are, well, but here's how it works for playing an organized play program. Right. You know, like, for example, in Magic, you could put eight copies of a card in your deck. No one's stopping you. But that's not a tournament legal deck, right? right. Like, that's just, like, you could easily play that way, right? Or yeah. you could play Plane Chase at home, but that might not be what you're playing in a Pro Tour. You know, but it's just, yeah, that, that's fine. It's not, you know, it doesn't break the game or, or make Magic incomprehensible to people. It's just a different variant. Mm-hmm. One, one of the other things I'm looking forward to in the playtest is for <clears throat> a larger group of people to experience what our playtesters have already experienced with the Caves of Chaos adventure. This adventure is totally old school in that it's open-ended, it's much more of an environment than a preset narrative, but in the packet that we provide, we give a number of suggestions for how a DM um, can tell his or her own story uh, using this environment, uh, using these monsters. And what we have found so far in the playtest is that most of our DMs have loved embracing this concept of this wide-open adventure and being able to really create a story on the fly and have felt empowered uh, to be creative. And so I'm excited to see that happening in many, many other groups and to find out what shape all of these different people's Caves of Chaos adventure has taken. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I'm imagining, given what we've seen so far, in some groups, it's going to be, you know, sort of a rip roaring hack and slash adventure where they're just slaying monsters left yeah. and right. In another, there might be an intricate story about the politics involving these different tribes of monsters, and it might be just one sequence of parlay after another. Yeah. Uh, and I'd, I'd say at least half the groups ended up with some, with some character becoming like King of the Kobolds. Yes. <laughs> yep. like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and in whenever I've run it, uh, the the players have been pursuing a shard of the Eye of Groomsh and end up usually um, trying to get one group of monsters to fight against another to help the player characters find that artifact. Yeah, and that's where the game transcends the mechanics, where we really want... My goal would be for people to feel like, 
D and D is a role playing game. It's a very open ended game. It's flexible. They have a lot of freedom to do what they want. It's not this scripted experience where, like a video game, like here's what you can do, and it's very like here's a list of five things. Pick one. That's what you can do, <laughs> and then you're in the encounter, and you must fight this encounter and like do A, B, and C to go on to the next one. It's very linear. Getting really away from that and embracing yeah. what makes role playing games unique. Uh, and something that still, I think, is unique, even with digital games progressing, it's still something that is uniquely tabletop. Really emphasize what makes tabletop games great. Uh, so we, we've talked about the adventure, we've talked about uh, the DMs, we touched base a little bit on the clerics. Let's talk about the other uh, the other PCs that are in there. You said that there's the uh, the fighter, the rogue, the wizard. Um, am I missing one? Is the... Finder, Rogue, Wizard, and two clerics. clerics. Excellent. So we talked about the clerics. Let's talk about uh, the other characters. When you guys were designing this this playtest, ready to go out, you obviously went for the classic, some of the classic more D&D uh, stereotypes. Not stereotypes, wrong word. Uh, but archetypes. So, archetypes. That, thank you. That's what I was looking for. I speak good words. Um, what went into the de- uh, design of these characters, and what do you guys, what are you expecting to get from players as far as feedback for playing these classic uh, archetypes? I think right now really what we're looking for is um, to get a sense of, hey, I'm playing a fighter and it feels like what I expect a fighter to do. Um, really the emphasis on at this point is on the core rules mm-hmm. and a little bit more on the DMing experience. So hopefully the players, like, they realize, you know, they're getting pretty straightforward characters. They're kind of a little bit on the low end of the complexity scale. Um, but just feels like, okay, this feels like a fighter. Like, maybe it's not the fighter I want to play, but it feels like a fighter that should exist in D&D. Right. You know, same for the rogue, same for the characters. The um, what we don't want is someone says, "Hey, I was playing the cleric, and I just didn't feel like a cleric at all. I was never healing people. I was really good with you know flying around and shooting fire from my eyes or whatever." <laughs> I did. Not that we're doing that. It's <laughs> just the sense of like, yeah, this, this feels like like these characters feel like they exist within the range of what the class and race should, should encompass. The um, and really what I want, what I hope we get out of this, and the goal is just get people. Say, hey, the, the core rules feel good. This feels like D and D. This feels fun and engaging. Um, and obviously we'll get feedback on things that aren't quite working or aren't as smooth as they should be, but the, uh, or as easy as they should be. But yeah, really f- people feel like, oh yeah, this feels like what D&D should feel like. You know? Right. And, and, and each of the classes um, has within it um, a background and a theme. We've talked about backgrounds and themes in some of our blogs and as, as well as in uh, some of our chats about the game. Um, and so, you know, in each character, you're going to see that character's background delivering that character's skills. You're going to see a theme that gives some kind of mechanical twist to the character. You know, the, the wizard has the magic user uh, theme and uh, I believe the sage background. Um, and and the, the other classes as well have, have little bits of those two subsystems that we're very excited about. Yeah, you can imagine backgrounds are basically your non-combat abilities. If, if you played earlier editions of D&D that has a skill system, it's basically saying you can pick any skill you want. And the backgrounds are essentially pre-packaged uh, background, uh, skills and traits that are put together that represent like something within the world of D&D. So if you're a noble, you might have some skills, some social skills, um, and you may have a trait which says, hey, you can call in favors or like, yeah, you have a place to stay in your family's manor, things like that. The um, and then themes kind of touch on well how you do things. Um, the themes you're seeing in the pregens are fairly basic ones, but I imagine things like uh, a weapon specialist, weapon specialist, someone who says I'm really good with an axe, that would be a theme. Mm-hmm. Even the schools of magic, like a necromancer, that could be a theme where it just says all your spells change this way. 
So rather than saying a wizard who's a necromancer just chooses the necromancy school spells, it says, no, the necromancers, all of his spells get a sense of, of, of necromantic energies or necromantic style about them. Or even a cleric could take the necromancer theme and his spells in the same way. And the, not all themes are created equal. Like a fighter taking necromancer would probably be a little sad because he doesn't have spells. <laughs> right. But, but it's all the possible, spells yeah. I don't have exactly. become necromantic. <laughs> but, but just get the sense of, like, you know, the class is what you do, the race is who you are, background is what you used to do before you became an adventurer, and the theme is how you do things as an adventurer. Right. All right. So I know you guys are pressed for time. I'll let you get back to creating awesome. Um, what are you guys looking for uh, for the feedback? Somebody asked how they want it formatted. Others are saying what specifics are you looking for. I mean, there's there's a lot. People are going to obviously have lots of things to say. Are you guys just looking for just about anything? Do you want to format a specific way? Like somebody that is new to this is going to say, I have all this I want to say. How do I say it? So the, um, the primary thing we're looking for is when we do surveys, please take those surveys because that's the easiest way for us to get feedback that we can really act on is when we get like thousands of people giving us their opinion. That's the, the number one way. And then within those surveys, we'll, have, we'll give you the opportunity to write in your answers and we can then read that feedback. And probably the important thing is to be really to the point. Um, and it's okay just to say things like the cleric is boring, right? Like we don't necessarily need a really in-depth analysis of it because really what we're looking for is the most useful form of feedback is when we can look at things and based on the broad amount of feedback we're getting from everyone, we can quickly go through that and say, okay, here are the general trends. Because it's it's not very likely that it, like if some person wrote something really insightful that we're going to do a big change to the game based on that. We have to see like, hey, a lot of people are saying this general thing. So don't really worry about being eloquent or trying to go into detail. You can just say things like the cleric doesn't have enough healing, you know. And we saw feedback like that in the mm-hmm. first rounds at DDXP and PAX. We just, my cleric doesn't have enough healing. Uh, I ran out of spells and that was kind of lame. Uh, my fighter was boring. I didn't have enough options. That's actually great feedback because. You know, we might not change something core to the game with that. Like, say, the fighter feedback is a great example of something where, well, we might not change the core fighter, but we're going to make sure that we give options within the system for you to, hey, I want to have two or three tactical options each round to choose from. Mm-hmm. We can give you that. Um, or even just things like, I wish, there was, there, you know, I wish there was more direct support for using minis in a grid. You know, things like that. It's almost like, a, you know, almost like your wish list would probably be the best thing. If you just say, hey, I played this, and here are the five things I wish this game would do. Yeah, right. right. I wish my cleric had more healing, or I wish the rogue was better with the bow, or, you know, telling us things you like is good, but in some ways, like, we probably get more mileage out of hearing. <laughs> because we can always assume, like, let's say if, like, 20% of people say, 20% of people who play cleric say they don't think the cleric has enough spells, we can just kind of assume the other 80% were happy with it because right. they didn't say anything. So, but but praise is great. It makes us feel it makes us feel good about ourselves. But in some ways, it's kind of like we want you to be a little like um, trying to kind of put it suspicious was probably not the right word, but but be a little more or on the side of being un- unforgiving rather than feeling like oh I don't want to like give you guys guff for this thing. Now go ahead and let us know. The, but um, but uh, the flip side of that is that if if there's something that you know you listening to this podcast, you know playing the game, if there's something you love in what you're seeing. It's, it's not praise so much we want about that piece. We just want to know that you love it. Yeah. Because, because what that, that means, okay, if, you know, if we're hearing from a ton of people, they just love this piece of the design, then that, that's a signal to us, all right, we need to make sure we protect this. Yeah. Um, and another thing we're really interested in is, 
are the rules simply clear enough? Yes. Exactly. And are, are they fun? Do, oh, do uh, they feel like D&D? Yeah, a great bit of feedback would be just to collect the questions that came up and play. Yeah. Even if you then looked it up and figured it out, just the fact that people had to stop the game and think, hey, how does this work again? That, that's also very useful feedback. Yeah. Uh, you know, DMs, you know, were the, were the monsters fun to use? Uh, players, uh, it's really important actually for people to know our perspective on class feedback. The most important feedback for us on, say, the fighter is from people who love fighters. Yeah. We want to know from the, the people who love to play wizards, do you love this wizard? Yeah. And I say that this way because often, particularly in the last 10 years, it has felt like feedback about classes has been about everybody else's class. Well, it's like, I love the fighter, but I'm really anxious about the wizard. Well, it's first, hey, fighter guy, do you like the fighter yeah, <laughs> as yeah. fighter? You know, is it, does the fighter in its bones feel like an awesome D&D fighter? Does the rogue feel as roguey as he should be? So, so it's a basically, we, we want you to eat your own cake first before you start worrying about every bit, everybody <laughs> yeah, else's exactly. cake. Um, and, and absolutely, we want to make sure the classes are interacting well, that they, they create satisfying teams, that everybody has a meaningful way to contribute over the course of an adventure. Uh, but first and foremost, we want the, the lovers of each class to really like uh, how that class is, is being formed. Yeah, another way to look at it too would be um, when you think about the game and you play it, just ask yourself, hey, would you, do you think that this is the most enjoyable edition of D&D that you've played so far? If you played other versions, and if no, then we also would really love to hear that, right? right? Because that's kind of what we want. Is like, hey, I like first edition, but first, like, this is your chance to give us feedback, and, and so we can say, hey, why should I play this in some other edition? Well, this is the edition where you get to have a really big voice in how you want things to look. But also, like, what I hope is everyone can say, hey, I can play the game that I played before, but there's just like these few things here that have made the game easier or more fun, or a couple features that I really like, you know, that I'm really happier in this version of D and D, and that makes me want to play it. Excellent. Uh, so, guys, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your super busy schedules. Uh, once again, Mike Morales, Jeremy Crawford, D&D Next Playtest out now. Uh, for more information, you can go to www.dndnext.com. You can always find us on Twitter at, uh, at wizards underscore D&D. Um, thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. And uh, we hope everybody has a fantastic time with the playtest. Playtest is out now. Once again, go go play. Go and play and submit that feedback because it's very important. And like I said, you were going to help shape this game. Exactly.